Howdy, and welcome to the Three True Outcomes podcast, presented by Baseball Prospectus. I'm your host, Ian Lefkowitz, and joining me, as always, from suburban Michigan, it's Ben Murphy. Ben, how are you doing? Oh, sorry, I've got COVID in my mouth. How are you doing, Ian? <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. I like sorry, it. I'm doing well, Ian. How are you? Yeah, no, we're we're doing well. We're we're exploring some cookie noises and and some some mouth sounds for uh, podcast listeners. We'll uh, just l- wipe that in later, I guess. Um, meanwhile, from our nation's capital, Jared Wise. Jared, how are you doing? Sadly, devoid of cookies. Other than that, I'm doing well though. Um, did you guys see the uh, the Sesame Street meme? Which good job to the Sesame Street uh, content creator of uh, being abandoned on a deserted island. Who do you keep? Uh, with you, Oscar Grover, Elmo, or Cookie Monster, just in case you missed that. I saw that, but then I saw that the replies were starting to get pretty dark, and I don't want that. Yeah. Well, okay. So two things. One, like Twitter has to be deleted, right? Because yeah. that's like it's Sesame Street asking about like cookie, and you you don't you don't need to take this into cannibalism. That's fine. Um, <laughs> number two, we decided the answer has to be Grover. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you all landed, but why Grover? Um, um, because I can deal with anxiety, but everyone else is like gonna be too much for an island. Like Elmo's too perky, and Cookie yeah. Monster's too cookie, and Oscar's too grouchy. Yeah, and uh, I think Paula Tompkins had a right opinion about Cookie Monster, which is like if you cut off the cookies, what what's sober Cookie Monster like? <laughs> I don't know. Did you read his, uh, Cookie Monster's AMA on Reddit? He seems like a pretty good dude. Okay. Okay, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a, a lot to think about. Um, so, so in today's focused episode, um, we have we have some <laughs> some exciting stories coming up. Uh, we are interested in talking about uh, the new rules, like everybody else, uh, but maybe thinking about them with a score sheet perspective. Um, we will take a look at, uh, yeah, didn't you hear, uh, do a Lipa song? No. No. I mean, that's a, that's a two percenter. Yeah. Sorry, I should know my audience a little better. Um, we also have, uh, well, our version of a National League preview, which is like the others, but worse. And, uh, then we'll get out of our hair. Uh, Mailbag Captain is, is today a quiet week for, for us? It's a super quiet week. It's sad. I'm lonely. Do you feel like Cookie Monster without cookies? Ooh. Actually, yeah. That's probably an apt analogy. Okay, so how, how can you how can we best remedy this situation? You could also send me cookies, that'd be okay. Or you can send an email to scoresheet at baseballperspectus.com. All right. Um oh, and before I forget, uh some site news. I guess we have ads now. Yeah, we have uh, ads. We should have definitely, definitely warned you about that. Holy, holy cats, they're loud. Um, we're looking at it, at it and uh, we want to kind of figure out, I think, if it is uh, worth it for us and particularly Ben, uh, if it is paying for itself. So we'll find out. Uh, so I will be strangely cut off mid-sentence uh, a little later in this podcast and we'll figure that out later. Thank you for joining us on this journey. <laughs> If any of the listeners are audio engineers and want to help out, that would be wonderful. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Right. Or at How least many... have like casual uh, tips for 
like I just usually throw stuff in Audacity and I'm sure it's got some kind of audio leveling in there, but I don't know how to find it and I'm too lazy to search for it myself. What is it? Every third person has a podcast at this point? Maybe you're one of them. Let us know. Um, oh, and I have uh, I have one more note. Um, so I don't know if you've been looking through the uh, Baseball Perspective Slack channel, uh, but one of the things that they have uh, put together that I, I was just reading, because uh, I'm an exciting person right before this podcast, uh, they have... Um, they shared the 2019 player name and pronunciation guide with oh. us from MLB. Oh, that's good. I need which that. is uh, super fascinating. Yeah, you should probably have it for like life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, good for talking about baseball players. Um, the thing that strikes me as very apparent, and we, we may get to this later in the National League preview as well, um, Boy, they are really counting on people to have English as their first language and Spanish as a second. Just LB is like, um, you know, they they don't have like Schorber in the pronunciation guide, but they have like Perez or Perez <laughs> uh, or like Jesus. Like I know how Luis is pronounced at this point. It is 2019. I've I've like experienced that name. Um, the one that got me was like right up early on. Um, so uh, Stefan Crichton, um, they do a pronunciation guide for his name, uh, formerly of the Baltimore Orioles, now Arizona Diamondbacks, um, but only Stefan. So I was just wondering, do they think that everybody in baseball has read Jurassic Park? <laughs> Seems plausible. <laughs> I buy it. So, yeah, definitely um, definitely the most exciting document I read today. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I like this. Um, so we can, we can continue throughout, uh, throughout the podcast with that. Uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's move on to the rules. Uh, so every, like, we're not breaking news for anyone, right? Uh, I totally yeah. didn't just. We might be for Ben. You know, for Ben, we're probably breaking. I <laughs> I definitely didn't look them up while you were just ranting about whatever the pronunciation thing was. I, I yeah, totally wasn't no, that, reading. That's, that's true. Skimming the MLB cut for summary. Uh, it's not open on my browser right now. So for right audience of one. <laughs> I like to think uh, I'm the everyman here. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's I could fair. be so, wrong about that. <laughs> I, I think you provide right. You provide the everyman perspective that this podcast is sorely lacking. Um, <laughs> yes, sorely. The, uh, okay, so I guess we should introduce the rules, uh, the rule changes. I, I think everyone knows, but um, do we just want to like quickly talk about our feelings about them? Uh, so, just the extremely quick breakdown right is that um in 2019 so inning breaks are going to be shortened the waiver tread deadline is eliminated um all-star and home run derby nonsense mound visits are reduced from six to five which you know will change everything uh 2020 there will be bigger changes so the active roster is going to grow from 25 to 26 
the September roster is going to go down from 40 to 28. Um, players are going to have to be fielders or pitchers, and a certain amount of pitchers are going to be capped as and assigned to the roster. Uh, the injured list, which is the former DL, and the option period is going from 10 days to 15, so you can't uh, screw around with options in the same way, and the three batter uh, minimum. So relievers are going to be forced to either complete an inning or uh, finish three batters. Um, so, Jared, you have time. You've had time to digest this. Uh, so, while Ben is having time to digest cookies, um, what what was your take when you first heard these rules coming down the pike? Um, I guess just generally speaking, uh, I was kind of surprised, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, I think in the sense that baseball tends to not have rule changes, much less like. Not that they're significant, but like notable ones all at once. So I guess I was surprised to see him. I don't know that it moves the needle or anything that much, but I was surprised to see baseball taking any sort of action. Yeah, you mean other than like forming exploratory committees right. for the next like decade? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We will see if stepping out of the box is okay, and we'll study that for 15 years. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm I'm of two minds about this. As uh, we talked about, I guess, in a past podcast, is I am probably a little less precious about the rules than most uh, and more into the burn it down and fix everything territory. Uh, move fast, break things. Yeah. Um, but, like, to me, this feels like fiddling in search of an answer. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like the fixing the thing that is actually broken. No. Uh, Ian, I didn't hear you mention, but in the thing that I was totally not just reading, um, I may miss. They said that as part of the active roster going up from twenty-five to twenty-six, there is an um, as yet undecided cap on the number of pitchers that each team can carry. Um, yeah, he mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and there are there are some score sheet implications behind that, so sure. you know we can get into that uh, briefly. Um, I think we should finish with the MLB level implications. Yeah, um, sure. I guess I was also surprised at how um, they at least seem on the surface like they might be like meaningful changes, right? I think some people have quantified some of them and said like, oh, it's probably not going to impact as many situations as you think. But um, like Jared, I was a little surprised at how um, more how much more aggressive they were than. I'm used to baseball being as like an institution or whatever. Um, the other thing I was wondering, and I guess I don't know if you guys are, are familiar or not, had they done anything to try to themselves quantify or um, prospectively, like as these things come up, like try to measure and evaluate the impact of these changes? Or is it like as, um, as much as it seems just sort of like sh shooting in the dark? Um, I, I don't know exactly how to answer that, but I, I think the one, the answer I have off the top of my mind is yes, they have basically entered into a partnership with the Atlantic League and forced the Atlantic League to start doing more uh, severe changes and are going to use it as a test kitchen for them going forward, which is not to say that these changes have been evaluated, but um, yeah. so I think any in the future will be. 
It seems weird to say, oh, we need to have a place where we can test some of these things before implementing them. But oh, by the way, here's like eight rule changes that we haven't tested yet that we're going to implement in the next two years. (laughs) And it's very fascinating because like, um, you know, as a effectively wild uh, a podcast you should probably be listening to in addition to slash instead of this one uh, mentioned uh, some of the language on this is like a little slippery and I haven't quite like locked down like uh, some of the what they mean like you know there will be pitchers uh, some of the players will be pitchers there will be a cap on them and we'll talk about the cap later like okay well what's a pitcher (laughs) yeah I do sort of wonder if that's intentional though yeah it says on this one that, so again, I'm reading the MLB Cup 4 summary, teams will have to designate players as either fielders or pitchers, or if they're someone like Shohei Otani, a two-way player. Otherwise, there are rules on when a fielder can enter the game as a pitcher. So they're basically yeah. trying to make sure that pitchers are less specialized, basically, like less effective as a result. Right. Well, it's interesting to me, because I don't, I don't quite see the point of it yet, other yeah. than there was like an a scourge of position player pitching uh, last season, which is, you know, awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, so. that's so entertaining. Like, what? <laughs> So I guess the interest is in making baseball, like, slightly less awesome by adding 20-game arbitrary rules. And, I, I mean, I may have talked once or twice on this podcast about how I feel about <laughs> arbitrary 20-game requirements. <laughs> so... I can't wasn't imagine like, related to what. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't like a super fan of that that particular distinction. I think it like it makes more sense in concert if they are going to try to ratchet down the number of pitchers who have spots and maybe force more two way players, which seems exciting. But I don't, well, is there I a don't limit on the number happen. of two way players then? Like, why wouldn't you just designate the like? Four position players that are your best uh, garbage time pitchers as two-way players or whatever. Right. So this is saying they have to actually pitch. You can't just designate them. Yeah, that's fine. So you just make sure they get in some kind of garbage time at some point so that they keep their designation. But they would have to be in 20 games, I suppose. Okay. Uh, so it's it's a challenge. Right. It's one of these things that, like, it's hard for me to understand how Shohei Otani ever becomes a two-way player again. Because it seems like there's a lot of pressure for him not to be once he has become like a DH this year. Because then he will have to be designated as a, either a fielder or a pitcher next year. And then, you know, based on that, there will be restrictions on when he can come in or play. Is it possible that baseball hates fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. I think the love and hate of fun is tangential to the rule. It's like... Yeah. It, not yeah, a consideration it, one way or the other. Yeah. Or they are trying to think about fun in the sense of maximizing like play per minute. Mm. As opposed to like, you know, cool stuff happening during the game, which is a little longer. So, you know, that's definitely an angle, but they, they are, I think, laser-focused on pace of play. I, For me, you know, I think some of the manipulation around pitching is interesting, but I feel like they are just going to be 
a little less draconian about it than I want. And it's actually going to cause some negative repercussions. Like, I think I have a feeling they are going to force every team to have 13 pitchers from now on. Mm. And it doesn't feel like that's the answer. <laughs> that's what Nate Silver thought we should do. Well, like, not 13 specifically, but right. Wasn't that thing that he wrote on yeah. 530 is about? Yeah. yeah, well, I think they should restrict pitchers. Or the number of pitchers in a game as well. Or, well, I think they should actually restrict number of pitchers in a game, which I haven't seen people talking about. But to me, it seems like the actual problem. And it seems like the answer to a number of related problems, which is too many one-inning pitchers, which I think is more insidious than too many one-batter pitchers. I think um, too many breaks, too many anonymous relievers. I think if we are more restrictive of pitchers per game, that seems to get more at the answer, but I think they're more interested in pitchers on the roster at one time. Do you think the number... pitchers per game? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to, I was thinking five or six with maybe the Ooh. other pitchers designated for, um, like extra innings. If a game goes extra innings, you can, mm. the rest of the roster can play. What if it's like a blowout and dudes are just getting shellacked? Okay. Uh, yeah, but like, okay, you need right. some kind of like exception for that, just like for extra innings. Yeah, or some negative, con- like, what is the negative consequence if they have to blow the mandate? Like, like I yeah. think at some point you get an allowance for more pitchers available if a single pitcher has like pitched a certain number of pitches without getting outs or maybe just a number of pitches in total, but like. Or batter's faced or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, well, it doesn't matter. They're not going to do it. It's interesting. It's but to me, that feels more like the thing that they are trying to maximize. And like putting pressure on the roster to be like, we're going to force 13 or 11 or 10 pitchers. Just, it, it doesn't seem to quite get at it or a little more tangentially. And I feel like the 26-man roster with 13 pitchers is going to be actively bad uh, in some ways because not every team has 13 pitchers now and it's just bringing in, uh, bringing in room for one more, like, one-inning pitcher, which, again, these are generally, like, anonymous players who are striking out everybody. And uh, it, it, I do think that is kind of the scourge of the game, and I think that was in the Nate Silver article. I kind of agree with that. Um, and, you know, I think we could, uh, pivot to the score sheet implications soon too. And it is, it's interesting there as well. Uh, I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts about the rules as they stand. Um, no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think thinking about this from a score sheet perspective, it's, the roster stuff is really the most interesting to me because it does, it is going to change the game that we play maybe somewhat imperceptibly, but probably a little bit more than, um, than even in real baseball, just cause again, real baseball, they have the option lists and they have minor league and farm systems and independent leagues and they can get an infinite supply of players and we can't. 
So as the active roster grows, um, it's going to change the game a little bit. I think certain in certain ways, probably ways that we would like, um, in certain ways it'll make things a little harder. So, you know, I think, first of all, moving from 25 players to 26 means, obviously, that more innings and at-bats are going to be leached out of the system, right? Which is mm. kind of already a problem. Like, if you look at the way... Um, what is it? Like, a third more pitchers have pitched in 2019 than, uh, like, 20 years ago? It, I believe you. Like this, it, uh, I don't have the study in front of me, but it, it spiked pretty significantly even recently. And so you have all of these innings like just leaving the system. And in the meantime, you have benches shortening and shortening, and you have uh, at-bats leaving the system. And, you know, like we were looking today at uh, drafting a second baseman in one of our leagues, and there were no second baseman left. You know, that there just aren't, like backups at any position so you just like draft the guy in triple a and hope the starter gets hurt i guess um so i think in that sense moving from 25 to 26 may help you know are we going to see more um i, I guess the question is what are we going to see out of that 26 man right mm-hmm like as benches grow by one player, because most teams I think have 13 pitchers at this point, which is depressing, but true. Um, so if the benches themselves grow by one player, does that mean we are going to see more um, defined roles, I guess? Like, will we go back to infielder, outfielder, catcher, person who can hit? Or will teams just take, you know, <laughs> like every team's going to go, yay, I get to keep my third emergency catcher, and then just call it a day. <laughs> I think it's going to be a mix of stuff, depending on the players that are available and the teams. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the savvy of the front office is going to play a, a factor there, and you're going to see some differentiation early on, and then probably some conformity after, you know, a season yeah. or two. Yeah, and, you know, I I think there's an aspect to this that is exciting. Like, it has gotten more and more difficult to find platoon partners for your left-handed hitting players, um, you know, especially infielders, but also outfielders. Um, you know, it, it it's more difficult to do some of that 80s-style roster management with the team, these, with teams these days. And maybe carrying an extra position player is going to allow you to be a little more artful about taking players out, about having um, pinch hitting, you know, like it's the things on the margins that are like extremely impactful to a game like score sheet, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is kind of based on. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I don't have any evidence to back it up. It doesn't feel like, pinch hitters and like late inning defensive replacements have that much of an impact, but I, no, I think that's fair. I think it's more, I would say more impact on your roster construction than impact on the game. Like you can, as a manager, I think you will be able to make more choices in season. I think that would be true if the in game controls allowed that sort of flexibility. 
I think the problem is that like in-game controls don't allow you to really have like finite control over, uh, like give you enough specificity in those different situations to be able to like use those extra assets uh, in a way that's that impactful. Like so that it wouldn't, the fact that you can't make those in-game tactical decisions in real time means that it's much harder to leverage the value that those like roster construction flexibility whatever would give you and like i don't think i don't think that would be like the place where it changes i think like i agree with what you're saying about like playing time and uh the other opportunities but i think you know in terms of the like more nuanced stuff i don't i don't know my hunch would be that it wouldn't have that big of an impact but like i said i have no evidence for that yeah none of us do including mlb <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I don't know. So there's also, you know, moving the minimum injured list and option list, which is happening now from 10 days to 15. Um, I, again, I think like by restricting the set of relievers a little bit more and trying to rein that in a little bit, I do think it will make score sheet a little better. Um, I don't like, I think the game works better if there are fewer relievers getting innings per season. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is going to have a big impact on that, but you know, every little bit helps, I guess. Um, is part of the decrease of the 40 person roster to make it so that it's harder to use the injured list as like a shuttle taxi squad type of thing? Um, I think they're unrelated, but I, I do think, yes, I okay. think, by and large. Yeah, the 20, cu- cutting the 40-man roster to 28 is only for September, and that's only oh, with the major right. league. Yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's to prevent the Los Angeles Dodgers from using their team like a, using their farm system like a Texas squad. And maybe other teams as well, but really the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, cutting from 40 to 28 in September is, to me, a mild bummer, but they are not playing. They, they like, MLB does not really care about, like, my love of seeing, like, Okoye Dixon and John Lindsay get three at-bats in September and finally make the major leagues. That's not, like... <laughs> Other other than me and like the families of those players, I guess no one is really caring. Uh, but I, I like I do like cups of coffee. I thought it was fun. Um, I didn't think it was a big impact on the game, but yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think it is fun to have those up, but I don't know. I, I think it's it's always been crazy to me that the September rosters are just so different. Uh, I think from a game perspective, it doesn't make sense. That's fair. That's fair. By September, I'm like bring on the thing that is different. But <laughs> sure. Yes, I, I can see if you actually care about a team that is in contention, that getting annoying. Uh, fortunately, none of us have. Really. <laughs> Had too much experience in that matter. Um, so the uh, three batter minimum, I think, has gotten the most uh, the most play, even though I don't think it's the most impactful of these by far. But I guess it's the one that will have the most impact on and individual game. Um, and there are a couple of quest- questions here about how score sheet is going to handle this. Like one, you know, do we think the real life 
rule is going to affect score sheet and two how do we think score sheet should implement the real life rule um so just to take them one at a time um so do uh do either of you think this will change score sheet in any way what do you mean by change score sheet um do you think like fewer loogies is going to impact roster construction Nah, I don't think materially it will. I mean, yeah. I think people are still going to try to find the best relievers. I, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I kind of think this is true even in real life. I don't think that many players are going to like lose their jobs or have their jobs change. This seems like a very mild um, position to me, especially since, you know, if there are two outs, you can put in your loogie, right? Yeah, that part of the rule seems weird to me. But I mean, you're still all teams are going to have the lefty in the bullpen or like the second lefty in the bullpen. If they want. I don't. Yeah, I don't think this changes that much. Yeah, um, right. And I don't think mid inning pitching changes mm-hmm. were really like the. You know, I, I guess right. Just because something is not the biggest problem doesn't mean you can't fix it. But sure, I didn't really see this as a problem at all. To be perfectly honest. No, I agree. Now, let me ask. So I've heard some people talk about liking it because it adds um, additional strategy to the game in terms of managers now making have, having to make more or different decisions about um, pitchers. Do you agree with that? And does that impact your view of this um, change? I guess. I, ha- I hadn't actually thought of it that hard, I suppose. Um, it is... Maybe it will. Um, I guess. What is the implication that their managers are going to have to decide whether going that putting in a player is worth it? Yeah. If they're facing two lefties yeah. and the third righty. Yeah. Or you know, there's two outs and you, you put your lefty in, but he doesn't get that out, and then it's he's just an extra stay wrinkle in. for the manager to have to consider. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, right. I. It's probably a different set of constraints right it's not like a better one but maybe it is i think it'll make like top tier lefties marginally better or lefty hitters marginally better um which is good i guess many of the like best hitters or like a disproportionate number of the best hitters are left-handed so Mm -hmm. it's probably better for mlb to get their numbers slightly higher and to have them you know, have more impact in big situations. But you're probably still going to, like, angle things to have the left-handed hitter face Jim Tomey, if you know what I mean. It also seems likely that amongst the managers, it's not going to change how we differentiate them. Like, the savvy managers are going to be able to handle it, and the Mike Matheny's are going to bungle it just like you would expect. And it's just another maybe data point in how you would um, build evidence about whether a manager was competent and... um, you know, capable of handling the strategic opportunities in front of him, but it doesn't seem to me like it's going to drastically change some of that math for people. Right, it's true. I guess we have a different set of managers now. Like, the managers of 10 years ago, yeah. like, a couple that would Tony absolutely LaRusso, be out right, there, yeah. two outs, <laughs> yeah. just, like, walking to the mound without, yeah. like, <laughs> before realizing. Um, 
Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I think this is one that's a little wait and see. Um, so I guess my next question is, should Scoresheet do this? Um, yes, Scoresheet should do this. Okay. Um, because you think it would mirror real-life baseball? Yes, because um, that's Scoresheet's... If not stated, at least implied intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would you really put this ahead of other things on the list of things that you'd want to have score sheet implement? I mean, I guess it depends what else is on the list, but it seems pretty important based on what score sheet is now. Right. So you're saying it's probably more important than even some of the changes we'd like to see score sheet make just because it's a fork from the rules of baseball. Yes, it's less fun than other changes. Don't get me wrong. Part of me would rather would have more fun with some of their stuff, but I think so long as score sheet is going to be attempting to mirror baseball, then it should attempt to mirror baseball. Okay. And like to you, having the ability to hook at 0.25 is just not like it's not worth the um, that advantage. Or I guess the hook at 0.25 could just end after three batters right yeah that no matter what or three batters at the end of the half inning yeah um does it feel like you would have less control um as as ben said like the control you have over your in-game decisions is a little bit like second order right like Mm -hmm. you don't have immediate tactical control over the team but you can set preferences that the simulation then um, kind of implements. I think ways. second order is a great way of describing that. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Do you do you feel like this will add another constraint, like distorting the impact that you can have setting the lineup sheet? Sure. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I mean, that's that's how the system is set up right now. Right. So th- that's just the way it is. Yes, it doesn't mean I'm happy about it, but... Some things will never change. (laughs) Do you think it's just a difference in how you set your hooks? Or do you think it's like an actual, like, new parameter about, like, does this pitcher enter an inning with, you know, less than two outs or whatever, this reliever? Jared, I think the way you were saying it was a parameter, right? Yeah. That rather rather than, like, put the control on the user side... And like force the user to have minimum 0.75, just like create a rule that even if the hook is 0.25, even if the hook is zero, if the pitcher comes in, they're facing three batters or until the end of the half inning. Yeah, I meant more that it would change how you think about setting the hook numbers because you know that the pitcher has to face a minimum of three batters. Like you might hook pitchers lower when you're entering the hook numbers because the assumption is that they're probably going to end up facing more batters in general than you would really want them to. Yeah, that's a good point. I would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really good idea. Free advice. All right. Hot tips for 2020. (laughs) Just have to implement it in score sheet. And then we've got some great advice for you. So how to play the theoretical game that does not quite exist yet. That's what I'm here for. That sounds like sounds like my calling. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Um, 
yeah. So, uh, anything else about? Well, the, yeah. The, I okay. mean, um, I think you know we don't have to talk about too much. We can save for later thing. But I think to me, this raises a couple of interesting questions. Is one of which is you know what what do we or what do people want out of a sim? Do they want it to mirror baseball exactly, or mm-hmm. do you want the option of playing around with your own changes like this, um, or or other ones, you know? Um, subtle or large because you can imagine a sim where you have the option of changing this rule not or, or changing whatever other rules um, so should you know do you do people want a sim exactly like baseball or do you want the ability to play around with stuff right and I guess the example would be in particular out of the park seems to be the like dominant simulation in this sphere of mm-hmm. being able to change a bunch of uh, rules off and on both I guess in terms of like lineup and roster construction and also um, you know I think rules about how the game is played if I recall they have a pretty expansive yeah. setting screen that yeah. is filled with a lot of uh, modifiers yeah. I was going to say I tried to get into out of the park and it was kind of overwhelming so I think my best case scenario for something like this is that there's uh, options for customization but the defaults are available to let it just run like mlb and there's like some depth to how the different uh, parameters are defined and the different options for customizing how it works so that there's like a uh, you know like beginner sort of level of like here are some of the tweaks that you might want to make at first um, and there's like a spectrum that starts there at the beginner level and then goes to something more complicated or um, sophisticated, you know, at the other end of the spectrum and that, uh, you know, the sim should sort of guide somebody through the fact that not all of these options are created equal and it should be easy for somebody who wants to have it be as close to Major League Baseball as possible to just sort of dive in and have that experience. Right. I think one of the things to think about is that I think every custom every customization that you add means you have to like test the range of customization so it like it's a simple choice that makes the ultimate algorithm much more complex and then also provides humans a the possibility of gaming the system a little bit more easily yeah i think developing something like that would be very onerous right like what i described sorry developing the thing that i described would be very time consuming but yeah. Jared's question was like, what do you want on a sim? Because like, right. Well, because like out of the park is heavily on the customization side. Yeah. But um, I can also like destroy the computer in that game over probably a, like, you know, a season or two. And I'm winning 110 games a year. Look at Mr. Smarty Pants over here. Yeah. <laughs> when was it's the last probably... time you had a score sheet team in that many games? <laughs> Maybe we should start a different podcast. 2017, right? <laughs> Our Murphy team won 108. Mm. I can hang on to that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my point stands. Yeah. This no, to, my, to my second question, though. Do you think... Um, so you talked about how MLB is uh, using the Atlantic League for testing out some of these changes. Do you think for uh, something like, say, the... Um, the three batter rule that MLB uh, has a sim or tested out in something like an out of the park or something related, 
Um, or and do you think that it's something that is worth considering for a way to test some of this stuff out? Uh, that seems amazing, and I want to play it. <laughs> um, I think that's a good idea, and it comes from like the business side of your head not the like baseball fan side of your head because the baseball fan side of your head would realize that like that's not how they roll um but yeah i think i think it makes a lot of sense i would be surprised if they had taken the time or been able to find something that allowed them to like look at the confluence of all these things because i think i think the thing that makes it difficult is not that any one of these things is uh, a challenge to quantify or understand, right? You can look and see, like, how many pitchers face fewer than three batters. That's very trivial. The thing that's difficult is looking at when you do that and you change the roster size and you change the cap on number of pitchers on the roster and you change, you know, whatever else it is, like, as those things accumulate and, like, start intersecting, uh, that's where it becomes uh, complicated. And that's where, like, the unintended mm-hmm. consequences happen. And I don't think... I guess I... I say this without knowing exactly what you can do in outside of the park, but like I'd be a little bit surprised if MLB had um, gone to that to that link. That's a good idea. Yeah, like maybe they might have done it um, just the way you would like create a situation analysis because it, it seems to me less like simulating the game of baseball than more like just thinking about the ramifications. So. I, I am just imagining a whiteboard and a lot of post-it notes. <laughs> is it one of those like actual whiteboards, or is it one of the like clear glass boards like the people on Numbers had like 15 years ago? Num threeers. Num threeers. <laughs> yeah. Um, the television show. Um, yes. Yeah. I. Uh, great question. I think it's probably more sophisticated than post-it notes on a whiteboard, but you know, I I don't think it it would have been easy to look at the confluence of all things. I think they probably did quantify what they think the impact of each of the things would be. And they sort of held their thumb up and were like, okay, that looks like it's going to be about enough of an adjustment for what we want and not too much. And like, we're not worried about them, um, you know, creating some kind of unintended situation, but that's just my hunch. Okay. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot to come. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing how these changes affect uh, both the real baseball game and our fake baseball game, both of which we love. Yep. Uh, before we move on, just one note. I did uh, scroll down in the cut four uh, to the uh, featured headlines. And the top headline uh, currently on cut four is uh, Greg Bird homered off Jalen Beeks in true avian showdown. (laughs) So I just wanted to give cut for some props for for that headline, which may be the headline of the year, and it's only March. Uh, Moving. Yeah, sorry. You just bring that up because you want us to talk about fantasy birding. Oh, sure. Um, where did I see this? I, I sent this to you and I forgot already uh, where we found it. Oh, Deadspin. Yes. Uh, Deadspin, if, if you missed this, uh, Google, uh, go to Deadspin and uh, search for fantasy birding, which is a thing. Um, 
I don't know if it's quite as strange as uh, Fantasy SNL League, which we are in. But <laughs> uh, definitely Fantasy Birding is is a pretty close uh, approximation of my work life and home life. So <laughs> it's confusing to me. Um, <laughs> I will say. Uh, and yeah, if you if fantasy birding sounds like a thing to you, uh, it does sound like about the best game of fantasy birding that you can possibly make. So uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, God bless. Um, so meanwhile, I think we wanted to uh, briefly uh, do season previews over the next couple weeks. Um, but because we are, you know, probably not your first option for season previews, we will probably be a little quicker and a little more loose about it. Um, and, and to start, I think we wanted to, uh, go by league this week. We want to talk about the national league, because as I say, save the best for last. Um, so we want to just briefly talk about, uh, you know, what have you, what we're looking forward to. Um, what we think, how we think the season's going to go. Um, and to start, kick us off, I think we're going to go to our man on the street, the average, the average fan's opinion himself, uh, Ben. Yes. Ben, uh, what are, what is your National League preview? Um, so when I look into a season preview, I like to keep it at a high level. Uh, sure. I'm not a fan of any one particular team, but as much as I'm a fan of baseball, I like drama and excitement. Uh, so I'm looking for uh, situations where uh, there's going to be, especially like late in the season, really exciting pennant races or, you know, divisional wildcard races. Uh, and that's why I think the National League is so fun. Um, I know last year it was like uh, super intense and um, at least at times, and then obviously it resolves by the end of the season. But um, also, like, a lot of unexpected things can happen. And one of the things that I noticed is that uh, the projected standings, depending on where you go, vary pretty wildly in a lot of situations. Um, I think almost everybody has the Dodgers in the West, but, um, you know, in the Central and the East, uh, projection systems are sort of all over the place in terms of who they think is going to be the best team and uh, how good they're going to be. And, uh, you know, I think there's sort of a consensus that the whatever team wins each division is going to be somewhere between, you know, like 86 and 90 wins or something like that. But, um, you know, depending on where you look, you'll see, you know, in the central, either Cubs or Cardinals or Brewers, um, obviously in the East Phillies or Nationals, I even saw Braves in a couple of places. Um, so I just think like from the highest level perspective, the National League will be pretty exciting to see how uh, all those different teams shake out and, you know, whether the Cubs end up proving Pakoda wrong, uh, you know, how the Phillies, um, you know, free agent uh, rebuild went, uh, how the youth coming up for the Nationals uh, ends up doing, all those kinds of things, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And that's that's sort of the extent of my National League preview, and I think that's that's a good sort of one-minute take for the, the casual almost fan. <laughs> used to be fan has 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 been fan we need to amalgamate that into something more clever but you get what i'm saying that was uh, surprisingly upbeat (laughs) well you expected it to be more sour and cynical i don't know what i expected but the world is ending and the national league is trash (laughs) 
<laughs> the Dodgers are going to win. Everything Actually, else is boring. Both of those are cracked opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared just thought I was going to be more down on things. Yeah. Um, that's closer to how I feel. Um, yeah, no, that I I think that's true. I think there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to like about uh, the National League, um, which leads me to my first question. I think you were talking about different projection systems. Um, what would like annoy Cubs fans the most this season? Like, do you think they should end the season? I'm thinking last day of the season, like they have 79 wins. <laughs> And they should, like, actually have to figure out whether they want to win 80, and then they can go, like, see, told you so, which I feel like would be really. So many jokes, solid ones. Uh, yeah. I mean, the other thing that's interesting is, like, a lot of these projection systems have the gap between the best team and the worst team, except for the Marlins, I guess. Um, and maybe, like, the worst team in the West, you know, especially in the central, like five teams all pretty close together. If it ends up being that like five teams are separated by 10 games at the end of the season, that's going to feel like, um, I think a pretty exciting run right down to the finish. So, Right. I think you could say like 14 teams are currently going for it. Yeah. Which is, um, which is probably fun. That's good delusional for on the part of some teams, but yeah, totally. Um, so, Jared, any uh, high-level thoughts? Uh, do you want to start going division by division? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can just... Uh, I mean, the only division thing is... I, I don't even... I was going to say this is a warm take, but I don't even know if it is. And maybe I'm just... It's because I'm in the uh, the NLE's territory. But I, I sort of am going to say that the Central is going to be more exciting than the East. Yeah. I think yeah. the Central will be more exciting than the East, too. Um... It's interesting. I don't know that I agree with that. I think it's going to be probably a tighter race, yeah. but I, th I feel like... Wait, what do we mean by exciting, then? To me, well, to me, it's not just the race. I think the NL East has the more fascinating teams to me. Uh, the better teams. Like, the more talented um, teams. More talented and perhaps more flawed um, and easier to troll fan bases. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, so, like somebody is going to be miserable. So somebody's easier to troll than Cubs fans. Yeah. <laughs> Cubs like... fans are not that easy to troll because they have expected losing for a very long time, and now they expect mm. winning for a very long time, and it's just, it's it's hard. It's I, I, I I think like I'm able to do it. <laughs> I believe in you. Yeah, you've got a lot of practice trolling um, baseball fans. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jared, were there any particular storylines that you thought of for the NL East or NL Central um, that made you decide that, like, your warm take was that the Central would be more exciting? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know about storylines in general. Just, I guess I've been hearing a lot of how any team can win the uh, NL East, but I think the Marlins can't, but any team could win the NL Central. Mm -hmm. Wait, the Reds could win the NL Central? Yeah, I'm not saying they will, but I think I could build a reasonable case for it without, like, mm. I think I build a reasonable case for it that, that's not totally insane. Yeah, I think it's easier for me to build a case for the Reds and the Pirates at this point, actually. Uh, that's fair. I'm seeing a couple of people have the Pirates worse than the Reds. But, like, a bunch of, yeah. know, a bunch of places have, like, all of, like, both of them and the, well, and whatever the other 
bad mm, third place team is like right around 500 um, yeah i think the pirates probably have a higher floor than the reds do but maybe a lower ceiling so i think i could see a way that the reds break out basically if they're pitching just all comes together at once um which does not seem likely but you know no but i mean that's why sometimes i think it's it's more useful to think of these things instead of even looking at just projected wins and losses is like the distribution of possible outcomes and something like the reds mm-hmm. i think has a a much uh much more variation you know like it's got a wider distribution than some of these other teams are some there any sure there yeah are there any teams that you like more or less than let's say your standard projection system or consensus uh, I, I I have some in the chamber. Yeah, go for uh, it. If that, if that works. Um, I don't think the Rockies are going to be very good this year. Uh, and I think... Hmm. I, I, I don't know that that's such a... Is that 500 or what is your barometer for very good? Yeah, I, I think... I, I think there are, I'll put it this way, I think there are a lot more ways that things go wrong than right for them. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you look at what the Rockies are fundamentally is just like a team based around the success of young pitching. And to me, that does not seem like a super long-term strategy for success. Sure. Well, well, particularly course field, but you do it because of Colorado because it's young pitchers. Cause I mean, a lot of people are high on Marquez and Freeland was, you know, good. Uh, so why why do you think that? I just remember the Mets from 2015, oh. or even the Braves from a couple of years. It's just you know if you have strength in young pitching, that like the thing the simulation can't really project is like how many arms get shredded in a season. Well, it could, but yeah, yeah, like it. I'm sure right. Like if you do Monte Carlo, like you can, and I'm sure there's more variability in the Rockies' performance, but you know I. Like, I think the arms in general, and I think these arms in particular, it it, it seems worrying to me. I, I think I kind of like the Diamondbacks better. Um, not <laughs> uh, the Diamondbacks who have, like, essentially forgotten to fill a couple positions. But, <laughs> um, but I, I don't see the NL West as being super competitive, uh, to be honest. Um I don't Who know if there's a... on the Diamondbacks, though. Right. It's, it's a good question. I think um, we will talk about that a little bit. But, like, in terms of breakout players, I think Cattell Marte might be a player that I like. Um, I think I could see David Peralta holding his gains. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine, like, a really great experience for them. But I think they have enough players who I think are interesting enough. I could see uh, Luke Weaver and uh, John Duplantier coming up, uh, perhaps being interesting. I think they are kind of volatile players with some skills. Uh, I think Robbie Ray could be great. Uh, I, you know, he struck out, I think, the most players in spring training. I think he's walked among the most players in spring training as well. So maybe it's the full Robbie Ray experience. But I think he was... Um, you know, severely undervalued last year. I, I don't know. I'm not going to talk myself into the Diamondbacks so much as uh, I think both teams are going to be about 500. And I think people have more hope for the Rockies than that. I hear um, the Diamondbacks got a pretty great new outfielder. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to get used to that yet. Um, no. So that that is Adam Jones, uh, formerly of the Baltimore Orioles. 
Always um, at the Baltimore Orioles. Always at the Baltimore Orioles, what? yeah. <laughs> Formerly of the Seattle Mariners. That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> Get out of here, bro. Always very at the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and in terms of like teams that I see outperforming their projection, um, is it is it ghost to say the Cubs? <laughs> Depends on which projection, right? Um, yeah. What about the Cardinals? Um, it's a good question. Like if you their know, young pitching stays healthy, it seems like their offense is going to be good, right? I yeah, I, I agree. And there's like there's a lot that's good about their offense and the cardinals as always have like 40 players waiting the wings who are just like 16th round picks from like iowa state Mm -hmm. who are like 26 and ready to hit like 30 home runs Uh, (laughs) i don't know exactly how that happens but i do i like i saw edmundo sosa at spring training i was like oh you know i like him a little bit oh god they just have a thousand of these players or like Jairo Munoz sitting around like too deep and like yeah he could be a starter um Tyler O'Neill and right they're just like a bunch of players who are good good and deep um I don't love Miles Michaelis I don't really love Adam Wainwright I think Carlos Martinez is kind of hurt I think Mike Waka is on the way to being hurt um you know, I, I don't think that's a surprise. I think that's why the Cardinals aren't like locks to win this. But yeah, it it, it, it does seem like uh, oh, I was going to say House of Cards. <laughs> what's a <laughs> Boo. No, what what is the thing I should say instead? Okay, uh, it doesn't seem great for for them uh, to kind of hold that pitching depth through the season, and we may see a lot more pitcher to play than we want out of this team. It's been a few years since I paid real attention to baseball, and I was pretty shocked that Adam Wainwright was still in the rotation for the Cardinals. I was shocked, and I had to pay attention. You, <laughs> you could have got got me to bet a decent sum of money that he was not pitching anymore. <laughs> like he's thirty-seven uh, now. Yeah, thirty-seven. Yeah, and I, I mean he's he's probably there you know, for some of the season for like leadership because yeah. the end of his season was not as bad as the beginning. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to necessarily end the season on the team, but I, you know, they, they, I, I don't think they have as much depth as you know, might expect. Uh, but obviously we haven't talked about Jack Flaherty, who is, I think everyone's favorite breakout pick and third round. <laughs> Uh, you know, fantasy baseball pick. Are you gonna hate um, on him too? You just like killed the rest of the rotation. No, I mean I, I agree with everyone else. Like he's very exciting to watch, but yeah, the rest of the rotation is not really guys who I'm tracking or enjoyable, find enjoyable. Um, anything else? I, I, you know, one thing I wanted to do was uh, go around the league. Quickly, I, I wrote down some players that I feel like are my players for each team. Oh boy, go yeah. for it! Um, and just just to go uh, team by team and like a quick team preview for each. Um, 
and what we think of them. The Brave, and maybe just me crushing their announcing teams, because I, I have now finally watched every team in spring training. The announcing is just, it's just bad this year. I do need to talk about this somehow. <laughs> um, the Braves are, um, I, you know, I don't think the Braves set themselves up very well this offseason, but um, I think their young pitching is has been looking good so far in spring, so much as that means anything. But, you know, they have so much depth and a lot of players who I'm who I'm liking. I think Kyle Wright has looked better than I thought he was. Um, I have been tracking Bryce Wilson all spring. I think he might actually be the best of the Braves young starters at this point. Um, I'm looking forward to him. The Marlins have a really interesting rotation, and I think I'm going to end up liking about four fifths of their rotation by the end of the season. Um, what a hipster. I know. Well, but there, there is something to it. I don't think they are a dismal team. I, we will get to those tomorrow or next week. Um, <laughs> like, the offense is just a train wreck. It is just a real nightmare. I don't think there's anything worth talking about there. But, um, you know, I do like Trevor Richards quite a bit. And I, you know, we drafted Caleb Smith in uh, the mock, and I think um, there's some potential upside there. Um, I have really liked uh, what I've seen from Pablo Lopez, uh, who it looks like is going to win a spot of spring training, uh, perhaps. Um, you know, I think that could be three-fifths of an interesting rotation. I think Nick Neidert is a player who I've been tracking pretty closely since he came over. Um, kind of a control-type pitcher. Uh, who I think has actually performed at the upper levels, who I'm pretty excited by. Um, you know, again, like I said with the Rockies, you're not going to do great if the strength, the core of your team is in young pitching. But I do think they have a bunch of, like, number three starters that might prevent them from being, like, truly horrible this year. Um, the Mets are, you know, I don't know what to say about the Mets, right? That That has been a strange team. Um, they, they are, they do not strike me as a team that is put together all that well, but you know, like a kind of a fantasy version of like, let's just accumulate assets and see what happens. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of players playing the same position players who are going to be out of position. Um, very bizarre. Uh, I am curious about Ahmed Rosario who I've been down on, but I, I will track him very closely. Uh, this season, you know, I think there is um, some breakout power potential. Um, you know, he's not a very good defender in score sheet, but maybe that will go up a little bit as well. Um, you know, and I think he's one of the few Mets with like a solid job and position at this point. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I would be, um, I'm curious if he breaks out and, you know, I would kind of bet the under on it. Um, but I'm willing to be wrong. Uh, the nationals, what, what do you think of the nationals as a, uh, a nearby resident or it doesn't seem like anyone is thrilled about them this year. The Nats fans are, um, are they? Do they feel like they have lost her? Like, I, I know we did talk about that uh, a little while ago. Do, do they still feel confident like we got this division? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about confident, but yeah, I don't think 
I think they're they're they would generally say they're cautiously optimistic. Okay. <laughs> always, always the state you'd like to get their fan base into. It's the uh, pitching, though, right? It's the pitching for them, I think. Yeah. Not the offense necessarily. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because they have like the top end pitchers as as always, and they've kind of filled the back end this year with like Jeremy Hellickson, mm-hmm. Animal Sanchez, according to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's something interesting about Animal Sanchez. He had he had like a sneaky good year last year, and I guess anyone can be good now is the lesson. <laughs> <wasn't it>? Just <laughs> like I went into a hyperbaric chamber. I looked at whatever it is that like Steve Rogers looked at in Captain America, and now I'm like a number two starter. <laughs> Great. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, for me, like a lot of this team is riding on Victor Robles being good. And I'm very curious to see if that is the case. I feel like yeah. we'll finally have a season with him. And he's the player who I would be tracking from the Nationals. Um, you know, like, uh, I think some of, again, what the uh, MLB uh, StatCast podcast people were saying about kind of poor exit velocities, like, does he truly have any power whatsoever? Um, you know, that could definitely put a limit on his ability. He's he looked good in spring, like he hit with some power, uh, but I'm curious what he would do with like a solid 350 at bats. Yeah. Um, the Phillies, um, you know, they they, <laughs> they have some big players who I am curious about how they're going to do. But I like basically know how Bryce Harper is going to. He's going to be good, right? He's Bryce Harper. He'll be good. Bold statement. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, Nick Pavetta is the hipster pick. Everyone's talking about Nick Pavetta. Everyone loves Nick Pavetta. Uh, I, I like him, too. I'm going to so I'm going to say, like, tracking him. But I'm curious about I feel like this is a real make or break season for Vince Velasquez mm. as well. And um, I I have always liked him a little more than consensus. But, you know, my hopes have been fading. I feel like, you know, this is the year where we're going to decide once and for all if he is like a playoff caliber starter or if he is just like a setup guy who is you know clocking innings for a while or daniel cabrera um you know i i think i feel like there's more there but it just hasn't been um i had totally forgotten about daniel cabrera (laughs) (laughs) i was like i I was I had my microphone muted because I've been coughing, but I did like a whole like head explode moment when you said Daniel Cabrera. I was like, I remember. Daniel. Oh yeah, he's alive. <laughs> that was from like when I used to pay attention. So. <laughs> I he's he's gonna put it together one of these seasons. <laughs> um, the in the central, I you know the Milwaukee Brewers are. I, I don't know, you know, I, I think the hitting is obviously going to be pretty solid. Um, I don't feel like there are a lot of players who, like, I have particularly dra- been drafting on a lot of teams in score sheet from the Brewers. Um, on the pitching side, I feel like there's a little bit more action going on. Um, you know, I feel like uh, Brandon Woodruff has ended up on our teams. I think Corbin Burns hasn't, but is interesting. I am curious to see, uh, you know, if the starters take a step forward. Um, I even saw Adrian Hauser was uh, sent to AAA to be a starter. I'm curious about his future. 
Uh, I could see the Brewers having like five different starters by the end of the season than they do right now. Hmm. <laughs> um, the Cardinals we just talked about, I don't, none of their players have ended up on our teams really, or our players who I think we are that interested in. Um, I guess Tyler O'Neill is somebody who. Ian. Sorry, I was muted. Um, I was going to ask you about Jimmy Nelson on the Brewers. It seems like oh, he's, yeah. he's healthy and coming back. I know you were a fan of his before. Do you think we're going to see a return to form there? How yeah, has he looked in the spring? He's behind, but I think he just started pitching. Uh, I think he got into a game last week, and he's going to be a, a week or two behind. Um, I do like him as a pick this year. Again, like I feel like for four starters, you want – you wanted enough of them that you you had don't have pitcher triple A, right? So sometimes you have to take like your potted plant, like Dan Straley's of the world. But I, you know, I think I also like some home run picks, and I feel like Jimmy Nelson would be a pretty good one at this point. Um, so, so sorry. So the Cardinals, um. Again, like Tyler Neal, Harrison Bader, I'm interested in if he can keep this up for a season. I always liked the cut of his jib. But, you know, it's a veteran team. We know what they are. And like I said, I'm fading almost all of their starters. So um, I don't know. Uh, I think they will probably win the division and bore me. <laughs> um, the Cubs, speaking of boring teams at this point. <laughs> Um, I don't think there's a lot of mystery left to the Cubs, you know, like they are not super exciting anymore. And um, I guess they're still young. They still have fun players, but I don't think they have a lot of surprising players left. Um, I am mostly curious about their rotation. And if you Darvish in particular, who's ended up on a lot of our teams, bounces back. Um, spring has not been particularly hopeful. I think he had one bad start where he like walked the park, uh, which is always a concern of his, but I, I feel like that was one before I feel like, uh, from what I've been hearing, some of the velocities back, I I'm, I feel like he's somewhat undervalued. I feel like Quintana has been somewhat undervalued and maybe even Cole Hamels. And obviously that, that means I am probably closer to other projection systems than Pakoda, uh, which is unfortunate because obviously I would like the Cubs to do poorly. um the pirates have become like a deeply boring team as well this is what i was talking about with the um with the central division i feel like the teams are less interesting Mm -hmm. um probably except for the reds because they've just stayed in stasis for a while and teams that stay in stasis don't interest me quite as much um I am curious about Chris Archer. I feel like he's been a player that we've been targeting. Yeah. And I feel, you know, uh, I guess the question is whether, um, la- like, he's had a couple seasons in a row where he's kind of severely underhit his uh, FIP. And, you know, like, when a player does it three times in a row, sometimes they're like, well, that's who he is now. But sometimes it might actually be um, <laughs> he's just rolled tails three times in a row. Um, I do think he has probably a bad fastball, but, you know, also uh, maybe getting out of that um, fuddy-duddy Rays organization and into the Pirates progressive organization is really going to change things for him. Is that a good troll? I don't know. 
the Reds have been the most fun in the division by far. Just they, they've been the team I've been interested in. Um, you know, exciting young players everywhere. Uh, they have their pitching is not so hot, but I feel like they have a wave of pitchers coming behind this one. Um, you know, I think a lot of players who haven't been on the stage for a while, I don't really think it's going to work out for them the way they think it is, but um, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're actually going for it. It feels fun and different. Um, the player I marked for them, obviously, is uh, Jesse Winker, who um, we have been tracking for a breakout for some time, and I think that'll do it. <laughs> um, Not Puig? Yes, Il Puig is great. He is fun. Uh, I have not gotten used to seeing him in red yet, and I <laughs> don't know that I ever will. Yeah, especially since I think there's like a 70 percent chance the Reds are going to be like 30 and 35 and he's going to be traded <laughs> by June. But, uh, you know, he's a person who deserves a bigger stage, but I I don't think he's like as unknowable as a player. I think there is a version of Jesse Winker that just like the power finally comes and uh, he's a superstar. Mm. Uh, which I'd be. Exciting to see. Uh, Diamondbacks, we talked about. Uh, I do think Cattell Marte is a breakout uh, pick. I like Luke Weaver uh, in the rotation. I like a few other players. I think they have some upside. Uh, again, like probably upside from a lower base in the card, and the Rockies have more downside from a higher start. Um, so I do think they'll end up in roughly the same place, but I would rather be the Diamondbacks organization at the moment. Um. The Rockies are, um, they're, they're fun. I'm looking forward to seeing Herman Marquez pitch, but I don't feel like that is one of our players necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see what Ryan McMahon does with a series of at-bats. And I don't know if he's going to get them because Garrett Hampson is running for his job. Literally, he's very fast. Uh, and Brendan Rogers is coming up behind him. Um, Obviously, then you'll still have room at first if Daniel Murphy gets hurt again. But um, I just want to see what Ryan McMahon is. And I feel like this year will go a long way towards explaining it. Um, And I I have just thought, like, the millennial version of Kelly Johnson. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, which would be a fun player. I've always liked Kelly Johnson much more than consensus. Uh, The Dodgers are always fun, right? Yeah. Um, their best player is a triple a claim that they had this year. Who's going to come up mid season and hit like 40 home runs or strike out 230. And you're like, well, I didn't think Felix PA was good, but I guess, like, I guess that's just how it happens now. Um, you know, other than the obvious things like, you know, Walker Bueller is going to be fun to watch for however many games. Um, and then, you know, I would like to see what most of these players are. I think they have a lot of exciting stories. Um, I am curious about uh, Ross Stripling in particular, who um, I think friend of the pod, Nate Stevens, has been drafting steadily in every league. I see you, Nate. Um, I, you know, he, Ross Stripling made the all-star team last year, so I guess that's not quite a breakout, but um, I do think there is an aspect where he has been underdrafted because he's, kind of a swing man but he probably could have a job by the end of the year uh you know it's always hard to say it's always hard to say whether being a starting pitcher for the dodgers is like 
<laughs> a good thing or not, because they'll just throw you into like the sixth inning in the playoffs anyway. It's like, oh, well, the world has changed. Um, the Giants are so depressing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they are the most depressing team in baseball. Uh, it's okay. You guys won three World Series. You you can have a boring team for a few years, but there's just like at least at least the Orioles are like hilariously dismal. <laughs> Like, this team is just, like, old and bad. And, like, maybe there's a way in which they, like, pull it. Like, they don't have, you know, I could see a world where, like, Buster Posey and Brand Crawford and Evan Longoria stay healthy for a year and, like, they surprise a little bit. But then they're just, like, old and good or old and okay. I don't see a, I don't see a world where they're, like, exciting. Who is that? Is that a ghost of Evan Longoria from the 2000s? <laughs> Evan Longoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're talking about how they won a bunch of World Series, I was like, yeah, but Evan, Evan didn't win any World Series. <laughs> oh boy, um, yeah. So I, I had a really hard time finding a player that we've been drafting in a lot of leagues from them. I, I like Brandon Crawford. He's he is our uh, backup shortstop in a bunch of leagues, just because, um, you know, score sheet overvalues or perhaps correctly values his defense. I think overvalues his defense in particular. But, um, you know, I like he is a starter who still has maybe some ability. Um, we've been ending up with Drew Pomerantz in a bunch of leagues, um, or at least one that I know of, and I think target him and a couple others. Uh, I, again, that's just kind of the innings and like a little bit of upside. There's just not a lot going on that I'm excited about here. Uh, but that brings us to our last team, the Padres. Uh, and I just had as my notes for this team, um, the San Diego Padres. I am excited in <laughs> all of them. <laughs> just be, I plan on watching them a bunch this year. This is uh, it's a fun team. They have so many um, talented and young and uh, exciting players. I don't know that they're good yet. Um, you know, they are, could be a year away. They could be the Cubs. There's of 2015. You know what I mean? Or the Astra. Like there, there's a lot to look at, and you know, I think we're going to learn a lot about, um, you know, is it Franchi Cordero? Is it Franmil Reyes? Uh, is it Urias? Um, you know, who is going to break out? I think uh, Francisco Mejia is a player who we kind of bashed a, a little bit in the mock draft, and then he just hit the terror out of the ball this spring. I don't know. There is a version of him that's really good, um, and the pitching side, like. They're like, I, I don't know, like, I, obviously no one else has seen Chris Paddock this spring, but he's so fun. He's so fun. Master Ram is really good. This is going to be a really good team. Uh, and they just have, like, players out their ear. Do you remember Denelson Lamette? Yes. He's back. He, he's just going to be pitching for them again. And, like, maybe a number two starter. Who knows? They have, like, eight of them. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's even more beneath the surface. And if they ever get boring, like Fernando Tatis Jr. is like a couple months away. Uh, I'm not like, I don't think I'm his biggest fan, but like, you know, so you're going to have the best player uh, at that point in the minors coming up midseason. That's always exciting. Uh, very much looking forward to this season. Uh, can't wait until they get the brown and mustard uniforms back. Um, like Padres forever. Padres for life. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, what a quick whip around. Uh, yeah, so hopefully, uh, I don't know if that's a good analysis, but it certainly filled time. 
<laughs> Any other remaining thoughts? I have exhausted my notebook. No, thank you. I think that was good. Okay. I think after all that, the Padres are the team that I'm most excited to watch. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's yeah. not because I was born there. I think like all the like. It sounds like there's a wide variety of possible outcomes for them. That's exciting. Right, yeah. and there's a version of them that wins like 60 games too. Right, which is exciting. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways to be exciting. Or a version that wins 47 games, and that's exciting in its own way. <laughs> Uh, no, there's no version that wins 47 games. <laughs> it's unfathomable. Yeah. Just you'd, have to be, get you'd have to be trying to be that bad. We'll get there next week. We just have to figure out how we're going to remember to preview the other 14 teams as well. <laughs> we do an hour just on the Orioles. <laughs> a deep look. Um, but with that... Um, what is the best thing you saw this week? Uh, I I feel like we could all answer this roughly the same way since the last time we recorded. It's possible. I yeah. I would say there's one thing that almost made it for me Okay. Uh, that I want to mention. Um, so as I was poking around, as you do, uh, doing what I'll loosely call research, I found this story, uh, this is on Cut 4, uh, with a clip of Ichiro. I don't know if you've seen this clip or Mm -hmm. heard of it. Um, So he's 45 years old now, and basically the clip is just of him throwing a laser beam um, from right field. Uh, I think it's, you know, into third base, it looks like, on a runner that's, like, trying to tag in advance. Um, And as, like, as far back as my, like, baseball fandom goes... uh, I was like rooting for the Mariners for a long time as a kid and uh, Ichi was always really exciting and he was the kind of player that was super easy to root for. So um, it's kind of sad that his like major league career is over, but it's really amazing to see him still out there like uh, doing awesome stuff. Yeah, uh, I I will concur. I've been watching the Mariners a lot more than I expected to this spring just because like I don't want to let it go, you know? Yeah. Um, And you know, I... I am definitely going to watch at least the second game of the series, just in case. Um, you know, I think there have been better players than Ichiro in our lifetimes, but I don't I don't know that there's been one more fun. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um, so I am, um, you know, sorry to see him go, uh, we assume. Yeah. You know, part of me also thinks right. he'll just play until 65 somewhere, but... <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm excited to see the next couple games and I hope it's a tribute to one of the greatest and most, uh, extraordinary players of our lifetime. The the reason why baseball is good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I, don't know. I was going to go on a rant about baseball being fun again, but I'll save it. You can imagine <laughs> what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So Anything else? I can I can talk about the best thing that I saw this week. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it might be the same thing. Like you yeah. yeah. It was you guys. Oh, I was going to oh. say New York. Uh, <laughs> awkward. <Yeah. laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, you guys were I, cool. Yeah. We, regor- we record together, uh, but we don't 
you know, see each other. That's why we do a podcast. Um, <laughs> schedule time to talk. But, um, you know, it's occasionally good to see each other. We do it around a score sheet draft, of course, which is uh, at once the best and worst reason to be together. Because <laughs> it, it is a seven and a half hour live draft. Uh, that used to be longer. Thank you to everyone for yeah. shortening it. Um, it is like a, a sweet pain, and it is something that I am glad to be able to do with friends. So um, it is also a great reminder as to why we don't draft score sheet teams live usually. Yeah. You, you, you all should be very happy for the draft feature. There are just so many players. There's so many players, and so many of them are bad. And then you're in like the 13th round, and you're like, "Oh my god, there's 22 rounds more of this." And we just took like Jorge Soler. Like we're, you know, it is. <laughs> it gets dismal, and you're like, "Oh, we're just going to be here for six more hours looking through depth charts of the Chicago White Sox middle relief." It's not great. Yeah, that was totally uh-huh. a thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I took a nap during this draft, y'all, because it was so clear that I was going to be worthless. Uh, and, like, let's be honest, I was tired. I don't sleep enough. Um, yeah. I set up, like, this spreadsheet that allowed Ian to feel like he was informed or informed enough. And then uh, I passed out on the couch for a little while. And I only missed two draft picks. <laughs> I only missed two draft picks in, like, I don't know, 40 An hour minutes. of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Hour, yeah, something like that. It, it, it's it's it can be rough sledding, but I, I was glad y'all were there. So I don't know if that's the best thing you all saw this week. Um, well. I think it's worth shouting out like some of the stuff we did in New York because yes, was... I, I had a specific thing. But what what was okay. your thing? Um, uh, I guess it was probably the video game exhibit at the Museum of Moving <sighs> Picture. I, I mean, I figured that was um, yes. going to overlap with yours, so I was hesitant to use it, but um, yes. You know, the one thing I would say is, like, it was basically just, like, a giant trip of nostalgia. So it wasn't necessarily that I'm saying, like, the exhibit itself was amazing. I thought it was, like, solid, not amazing. Um, But, you know, it's basically just, like, they took a bunch of uh, video game systems that they bought off of eBay and, like, put them down so everybody could play on them. And that's... That's fun. Why That's fun. Doesn't every you know, museum right? do this? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> and there were so many more people interested in that exhibit as a result. Right? They could have yeah. very easily uh, botched that by making it, I'd say, more museum-y. but instead they didn't. And I think that was part of the brilliance of it. Um, the I, Met has I, so many rooms, and all of them are filled with art. <laughs> all of them. Not even one of them to save for sports games from the 1990s <laughs> and late 80s. Okay, which... can we? Speaking of that, the huge like oversight was that there was no RBI baseball at this. Yeah, exhibit. yeah. And I, I, I think we should set up the exhibit for a second, just yeah. just okay, so sorry. everyone knows. Um, it is. Uh, they were doing a, and it was the the last day with the of the exhibit was the day we were there so check to see i don't know where it's going next but check to see if it travels it's something like sports the history of sports video games um and oh boy there were so many of them except well there's also no tecmo right well no there was no no playable tecmo i guess there was like a shout out to tecmo on the wall but i would have played nothing else 
and the Tecmo Super Bowl. Some people like Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Bojacks, and that was like before my time. I think Tecmo Super Bowl was where it really shined. You could pick every team. They had eight plays instead of four. <laughs> I wish they had ice hockey for Atari. Ice hockey was a great game. Like, what do you have an ice hockey lineup? No, like, so not not the Nintendo. It's the Nintendo oh, one with your small skinny guys or the fat chubby guys or the guys yeah. in between. Yeah. That's what I, I remember for... playing with you as kids, Jared. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a fantastic game. That should have been there, too. Don't get me wrong. I suck you for Atari was, I think, 2v2, but it was Atari. So there were there were no attributes to the players. It was just 2v2. Just it was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you, do you all have a game that you were most nostalgic for, uh, perhaps that you saw there? Um, I think out of ones that I saw... So we didn't actually get to play it, but NBA Jam was there. I thought that was a good a good catch. Like it would have been a huge oversight if that hadn't been there. Um, and I also really liked NFL Blitz. Um, mm-hmm. NFL Blitz was always like, like I think all my friends preferred Madden, and I was like, nah, like I don't need any of that shit. Like, <laughs> NFL Blitz was exactly the football game that I wanted, uh, and it it was just as fun as I remember. It feels like sports games have gotten away from that so severely. Yeah, yeah. And, like, just there is something to, like, Tecmo Super Bowl or NFL Blitz. Just, like, you know, and maybe there is, like, some lesson for, our for like, a sim, too. Just, like, pare it down to the essentials and just, like, crush it. Make it fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like Rocket League did that. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Jared, did you have a favorite or most nostalgic game? Uh, well, it might have been Gretzky 64. I played yep. that a lot of that growing up. Uh, there's also that handheld baseball game with the buttons by your left and right thumbs. What is it? I forget what that's called. It's by uh, Mattel, right? The, yeah. Was it the, uh, the, yeah. um, yeah. Like electronic baseball? Yeah. Electronic, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> it, it's, I, I don't know. Like, I can't say you were excited, but I can say you were as excited as I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> to see that, um, it was really no. It was like a special moment because yeah. I didn't have that connection. And then you just, I just thought it was like, oh wow. Yeah, Jared. It was like something visceral. Yeah, he got amped up for that. Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen it. I mean, it must have been man, you know, like twenty-five years at least more. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, for me, definitely NHL '94, the game <laughs> that cemented my bizarre yeah. and. Um, inexplicable Vancouver Canucks fandom. Pavel Bure was so good. Trevor Linden, the court and all, but it was, it was good. What a good team. Um, <laughs> and I, I will also give a shout out to base wars. Uh, certainly my favorite baseball game of the Nintendo era. Um, oh, and sorry. Keep yeah, going. I was, I was, it turns out I was no longer good at the game, but uh, when I was six, I was really great at it because I didn't play it as a baseball game. I played it as essentially Mortal Kombat, yeah. where like, I got a uh, so the conceit of Base Wars. If you haven't played it, it is bonkers. I suggest you get an emulator just for it. Um, it is a game where robots play baseball, um, and if they ever end up, tags have been outlawed. Instead of tags, the teams, uh, the players just, uh, I don't know, like shoot each other. <laughs> As, as though Rugnet Odor had taken over the league and had decided, like, this is how we're doing it from now on. 
we are just going to yeah no tags just like violence um so you have like different types of players and i forget what it was there was one like there was one of the types of robots where you could just uh i think it was like a sword or you could just like corner a player and just um get them into the corner and like just defeat them um and so what i would do as a six-year-old is i would get a team of that type of player eventually and um just like get into rundowns (laughs) (laughs) until i defeated all of the other robots enough that the other team exploded (laughs) which again like maybe not great for pace of play, but I do think <laughs> Rob Manfred should form an exploratory committee for that. That's funny. Um, and with that, <laughs> sorry, there's one other thing I remembered that was oh, that was yeah, my was oh, so sick. yeah, was, go that ahead. That was my oh in the middle of your thing was uh, no Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. I was disappointed about that too. I felt like maybe it was just me because that was like the peak of my Mariners fandom. Um, but yeah, I was like. No, not having that game was very, very sad. Very sad. So, yeah. So send us your favorite sports video game memory if this is sending you down to Stouch Lane and you have made it this far. God bless. Um, (laughs) Score machine. And and check out the exhibit like you were saying. And check out the exhibit if you can. It is the best thing you can do other than see each other. Um, So we won't keep you any longer. We'll be back uh, soon next week with an American League preview. where we cover 14 teams in some detail and 15 teams in just a great amount of things. <laughs> uh, until then, uh, I'm Ian Lefkowitz on behalf of Ben Murphy and Jared Weiss. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.